Ayong Adlao. Welcome to Season 3 of Philippine X Teen Wellness. I am your host, Cheryl Samson Ramirez. In our last episode, we spoke with Pauline Montemayor for Mental Health Awareness Month to discuss mental health awareness from an East Coast perspective. We hope that you found it helpful. This month, we're launching into our physical wellness trilogy, starting with cyclists Nelson Raboy and Jordan Luxamana. Before we begin, we'd like to mention that we uphold and honor this safe space to share. We ask everyone to pose comments and questions on our platform in a peaceful and respectful manner. Our pre-recorded episodes are accessible through our Philippine X and Wellness YouTube channel. The audio recordings are available via Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All views discussed are for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to be medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare practitioner for your particular condition, especially before starting any exercise or new health program. For this episode, I'd like to introduce our guest speakers, Nelson Raboy and Jordan Luxamana. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks so much for having us. Hi, I'm honored to be here. <laughs> We're excited this season to expand globally and invite you both on, Jordan from Canada, our northern neighbor, and Nelson, who has family in Hawaii. We'd like to typically open our episodes with one of the first questions you're asked when someone finds out you're a Philippine ex or Filipino. Where is your family from in the Philippines, and where are you currently streaming from, in case that's different from where you're residing? So... My family on both sides are from Cebu, and I recently found that out later in life when I thought I was Ilocano, since most people from Hawaii are Ilocano. <laughs> but uh, yes, and then uh, I am actually broadcasting from Long Beach, California. Nice, and you have family um, in Hawaii too, right Nelson? Pretty much all my family on both sides are from Hawaii. And yeah. I probably have maybe three or four aunts and uncles from each side in the States. And then everybody else is back there. Yeah, what islands? So my mom is from Lanai and my dad is from Oahu. That's uh, cool. North Shore Oahu, just not, to be specific. We don't know too many people in Lanai, so that's kind of cool. What about you, Jordan? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, my mom is Batangueño. Uh, my dad uh, from Manila, but uh, by way of Pampanga. So uh, recently found out actually that my great grandfather, um, his family, like him and his him and his immediate family, you know, my grandfather and everything, uh, they were from Pampanga, and then they moved a little bit further up north. The name of the town that skips me, but uh, apparently our last name, my last name, Laxamana, used to be L A K S A, right, rather than L A X. Oh, cool. And when they moved. Yeah, and when they moved, uh, my great-grandfather uh, realizes, like, hey, so there's a bunch of other Laksamanas with KS, so we're all going to change it to X so that we know who our clan is. <laughs> so it was very recent, actually, that the name was changed. It was pretty hilarious. That's interesting. La Isn't there an Indonesian dish, Laksa? Yeah, so, like, Laks Laksamana, like, I guess, um, I mean nomenclature of, of Filipino last names is all over the place, right? Uh, but Laksamana kind of has its roots with 
Lakshman, who's uh, the god of Raman in the in the Hindu epic of uh, of Rama. So that kind of continued on to uh, an actual naval admiral rank in Malaysia, Laksamana. Wow. So it's uh, kind of everywhere. It's a uh, it's an interesting thing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a testament to our Malay Indonesian roots, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all we're all tied together, right? Yeah, so. for sure. And and where are you currently streaming from, Jordan? I am streaming from Vancouver, or a suburb of which, which is called New Westminster. So a little bit south of Vancouver, and uh, yeah, so just a little bit up north of you guys. Still west yes, coast, though. West, west side of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> now, um, I, as well as our listeners, have a lot to learn from you both in regards to this topic on cycling and wellness. I'm personally excited to delve deeper and learn more from the both of you. What makes having you both on extra special is that you both don't just cycle as a hobby, but you both have devoted your passion and time into it as a part of your profession. Jordan, we'll start off with you and then Nelson, but this question goes out to the both of you. Explain to our community what you do for a living as it relates to cycling. Yeah, so um, I'm actually a service manager over at a bicycle shop here in New Westminster called Caps Bicycle Shop. Um, started as a mechanic, you know, kind of just learned my way through uh, and then worked my way up, uh, well, for better or worse, but mostly for the better because, like, I mean, it's um, my, my whole thing is I love to fix things and just make them work again, right? And with, like, my brain just works with analyzing how things work trying to figure out how they should work and then make them work that way if they don't so it just kind of like fell into place uh, me and bikes and just totally started off riding and then i was looking at looking at my bikes and like man i really want to fix this up and also um you know it's cheaper when you fix it yourself so i just kind of fell it fell deeper and deeper into that to now the point i'm uh, i'm managing the the repair center of uh of one of the busier shops here in uh, here in new, new westminster so uh it's been quite the road and uh yeah many more to come and where's new westminster in terms of location to vancouver it's a little bit southeast of uh of vancouver proper so you kind of like follow there's one road actually that connects is a direct connection from vancouver to new westminster um so the main street in vancouver if you follow that uh, eventually you kind of turn off of it, an offshoot of it is called Kingsway. Uh-huh. And that Kingsway, you follow it, and it turns into 12th Street of New West, and I live on 12th Street. So I have a direct line from, from my apartment to downtown New uh, downtown Vancouver Main Street. Nice. And you, Nelson? Yeah. It's just like... <laughs> what do you do for a living as it really to Well, uh, I got into the industry at an early age, and uh, I just never got out of it. So currently, I actually run a business that deals with service and repair, and it's specifically tilted towards law enforcement and private security. So I actually just walked in the door 20 minutes ago, later than I thought I would be from a job out here in uh, Los Angeles, Chinatown actually, <laughs> for their uh, security guards. I, they, they bought a couple of bikes and I needed to build them and that was my job for today but over the years I've been in and out 
of d different shops with different positions, but always a mechanic like at heart, like Jordan. I mean, I've been on the sales floor as well, and you know, I, I would say I have split time because in our industry, you can't really just be a mechanic. <laughs> it's like uh, one of the few jobs that still is like an apprenticeship style where you yeah. gotta like put your time in and you gotta have somebody show you. You can't just like show up and be like, I'm gonna be a mechanic and people are just gonna smile at you and say, that's nice, but you should be a salesman. And that's usually where they stick you first. Yeah. So, so you know what you're doing basically and, and you become more familiar with the bikes that you're you're servicing. I would say so, yeah. I mean, let's see. I, uh, shoot. I don't know if this is embarrassing, but <laughs> my first job in the industry was 98. So it's not embarrassing. No? <laughs> okay, we good. We have a wide audience. Okay, good. <laughs> so I've been in the bike industry since 1998. Back when bikes didn't have suspension. <laughs> that that just shows us that you know what you're talking about. Okay, good. <laughs> and then, so it sounds like your business is a um, mobile business. So what's your geographic yes. so range, I, I guess? Currently, I run the shop out of my residence, and okay. I do have an online style of sales, retail sales type thing. But when I go out in the field, I also do private calls too. But uh, I want to say my furthest north client, as far as being in the field goes, is Wilshire, like Wilshire in the 405, which is technically UCLA area. And then my furthest account is San Diego. But I have sold things internationally. As through okay. my website, as far as like products like that people need yeah. regarding cycling in general. So. And then, yeah, and then Jordan, do you mainly service the Vancouver metro area, or does do people come from like different regions as well to your bike shop? Uh, yes and no. I mean, we're we're mostly servicing kind of the the Vancouver metro area, especially the immediate vicinity of uh, of New Westminster, like suburbs like Burnaby, Coquitlam, Surrey. Uh, all of those are just kind of encircling us here at New West. Um, but because of the age of the shop, like what we're turning we're turning ninety this year, so it's like it's an old old shop. So there's a lot of history and a lot of folks that uh, you know. Um, just come in they're like I used I bought my my first bike when I was a kid just when you were at your the, the location just down the street and I'm like that's, wow. that's awesome like thank you thank you so much for coming back right so uh, I get I get phone calls of folks that are like hundreds of miles away and they're like I bought a bike from you guys like 20 years ago you know I'm gonna be in town and can you guys fix it up I'm like yeah I would love to see it I'm like bring the bike on in we'll uh, we'll have a look at it I'll look at the old cap sticker that's on it and then you know there's there's a store behind each one so like that's kind of that's kind of our thing. We're uh, we're a very general shop, a very family oriented shop. So a lot of families come through, and uh, it's just generations on generations. Like, you know, dad bought got his first bike from his dad, and now he's bringing his kid Aww. in to get his first bike. So it's like, really you know, it's, it's really cool, really cool stuff. To do. Yeah, super wholesome there, and yeah, it's 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 a it's a fun thing, fun environment that's for sure. Cool. That's totally cool. <laughs> like. That's what the part I miss about being in a shop is like that type of interaction, you know? So yeah, I've, I've been with Caps for just like the last like little over five years, right? 
Um, and like my first bike was from a caps location, not the same location that I'm at now, but from a caps location in, uh, in Surrey, you know, like five, 10 minute drive away. Um, and then I find out later after I get, you know, my mechanic position at this, at this caps in the West, uh, my uncle says that his first job when he moved to Vancouver from the Philippines was as a mechanic for caps in new West. So it was like a crazy full circle moment of like, wow, like, you know, this 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 shop this the shop has like 90 years of history so it like has touched everyone in the area and to be a part of that is is something something cool um like we've definitely evolved since then um we're arguably a different shop than we've been in the last last while but like that's that's how it goes you know to be human is to is to grow and to flow yeah so you're practically cap's legacy yeah <laughs> kind of kind of part of it like um one one thing that uh, that kind of kind of trips me out a bit was uh, when the owner uh, of of our location he uh, like takes me into his office and he's like, you know, um, you're the service manager. I want your input on the next sticker that's going to go on the bike. So it's like, wow, I have I have influence now in like the the next history of of this franchise, this ninety year old shop. So, um, oh, wow. yeah, like that's. Cloud. Wow. <laughs> cloud, but all, cloud, but it's also like you know trying to combat that imposter syndrome too, right? So, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's like you know. So, so you didn't know your uncle worked for them until you started working yeah, for them. Exactly, I had no idea. I didn't even know that he was that he crazy. was big into biking until like a couple of years after I like really got you know started to do all of my long rides, and then I see on Facebook that him and my cousin, his daughter, are. Uh, are riding a lot i think they're in uh, they're in iowa and then you know like after they heard hey huh. you're working at caps he's like yeah george my first job in in vancouver was uh was at caps in new west i'm like what <laughs> why didn't you guys tell me that is crazy wow your uncle was flossing at that yeah, point basically. <laughs> so have you have you ridden with him no, since i haven't like actually. have you guys I, I need a i need to have his that'd be but cool like, he's he's out in iowa so the next time that he comes out to visit, yeah, you know, like we'll go for a ride, or I'll I'll make a trip out there or something. Wow, that'd be such so interesting. I wonder if the la- the land there is like flat. So oh, it's super flat there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like all hills, all hills. Very. <laughs> It'll be like Jordan. I can't do the hills here. <laughs> it's too much for me. It's too much. I mean, like, I don't know, uh, Nelson. One of the uh, one of the big uh, one of the big. Uh, modifications a lot of customers come in to my shop is can you put a wider range cassette on this bike because <laughs> they want to be able to to climb better and uh that's like right. all age groups right. you know whether you're whether you're like a younger road road cyclist or you know a retiree that just wants to get back into cycling it's always i want a bigger range on this so i can climb easier and it's right. Like, right and i'm right and i'm all i'm always of the mindset of you just got the bike ride the bike, give it a couple of weeks, your legs will be stronger than you ever thought they would be. Break it in like a new pair of shoes. (laughs) So are there different cap stores in the, um, it sounds like, is it only in Vancouver or? Only in Vancouver. I mean, there was a, there was a time when there were so many cap stores that they started to open, they started to open shops just to compete with themselves. (laughs) <laughs> like it was it was what they called the empire days there were a lot of stores all across, that's funny all across good the lower mainland, all across the it, was, it was a good problem to have um but you know um caps has kind of settled into you know your classic mom and pop shop there's still 
still a few locations around the lower mainland. There's one out in Richmond, one out in Langley. Um, but we are one of two locations in like the immediate vicinity. And I don't think there's any more in, uh, in Surrey or Vancouver. So. Now, mm, sounds like your cap wants to chime in and, and add to that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's Lily. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let's, let's dive into your origin stories. When you both decided to become cycling devotees and made this your passion. I remember when I learned how to first ride a bike at the local park down the street from where I grew up. I haven't forgotten how exhilarating that experience was and how good it felt when I was able to ride a two-wheel bike on my own without assistance. It's amazing how that muscle memory never leaves you. Tell us more about when cycling became a passion for you. And sorry, Nelson, you're cracking me up too. And when you decided... I'm honored to be here. (laughs) And when you decided to transition this form of exercise from a hobby into a profession. Since we started with you, Jordan, on the last question, we'll start with you, Nelson, and and alternate moving forward. So, Nelson, when did cycling become a passion for you, and when did you decide to transition um, this form of exercise um, from a hobby into a profession? Well, man, it's, it's good that you bring up the first time that you remember riding a bike, because... Oh, from, totally. That's like when you're that age, that's something that never leaves your mind, no matter where you're from, no matter, you know, what ethnicity you are, everybody remembers that. And yes. It was at Royal the, Oaks Park when I was six. Did you even know the place? Oh, Man, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like me, the park I'm, down the street from where I grew up. That's why. And I remember so, the route. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> Jordan and I know the even the name and make of the bike that we started on because we're just that way. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> it started honestly like with a movie, really. You know, I mean, I knew what biking was. I, I had a big wheel. Everybody had a big wheel, and I used to ride that thing until there were holes in the wheels. You know, because that's what you did with a big wheel. So the foundation was already there about like being pedaling something and going fast. Yeah. And uh, I remember when I watched the movie E.T., there's a, there's a scene when they're running towards the end, and uh, they're running from the cops or the FBI. And obviously, you know, E.T. makes them levitate. <laughs> so that, when you're the age that I was, was like, what the hell? Yeah. This what is like if pre- I could do that? You know, pre Back to the Future two. Pre Back to the Future two, also a great <laughs> series. But anyways, <laughs> at the end of the scene, they land in the forest because that's where ET is trying to meet his family. Yeah. And they do this synchronized skid in the movie, and for lack of better terms, I was like semi turned on, and I was like, I need to do that. <laughs> so the, I need to do that on a bike. And so the the next day, I was not on my big wheel, but I asked my dad for a bike. And that Christmas, I got a bike, my first bike. And I did skid outs all freaking day on the, learning to do skid outs. I mean, you can't just do skid outs. You still got to practice. You know, so I fell a few times. <laughs> but it all started with that movie. And then other movies came out about biking that solidified it 
and then you know you get a little older and the training wheels come off and then now you you're going farther and you meet people that also ride and it's like oh yeah you ride too let's do this let's freaking ride and then you're building jumps and then you're trying to like see who can do like the fastest or go the farthest or sprint the fastest or jump the biggest and it's just you know downhill i mean shoot there was no helmets back then either so it was, it was bad <laughs> and then how did you take it from there into deciding like i really want to make this my job my profession so there's a thing in our industry i'm sure jordan can test this uh, a lot of the coworkers that ended up in the bike industry, there, there's no specific type. It's all ethnicities, all ages, all socioeconomic. The one common thing is that mostly their plan A didn't really pan out, and they fell back into something they loved. And then now you're working in the industry, which is what happened to me. I actually. Uh, didn't pan out. I, I graduated from the fire academy in 98. And while I was trying to test and get on a, a department, uh, I ended up going back to school because I didn't get hired for maybe five or six years. This is back in the early 2000s when it was really hard to get in. And when I went back to school, I decided like, you know, if I'm going to go back to school, I'm going to do something I love. And I got into the bike industry while I was taking classes. I never got out of it, man. <laughs> Graduated and everything. <laughs> I just stayed in the bike industry. <laughs> so, I mean, oh man. Well, I mean, very... in a sense, in a sense, you're uh, putting out fires for riders now. There you go. There you go. But when you mention, like, you know, you remember your first ride. That's one thing I I miss in the shop is like, like helping kids get their first bike and to see their face the first time they ride their first bike it's like you know you never forget that none of us forget it and it's like that little i mean we change lives you know <laughs> for the good and it's just that whole community thing that jordan was mentioning earlier and bettering yourself and keeping healthy you know it all it all ties into like why we stayed in totally type thing. <laughs> what about you jordan um so again like um when did uh cycling become a passion for you and then when did you decide to transition it from like being a hobby into a profession yeah so uh my origin story is uh fairly similar i mean riding on a big wheel you know skidding out uh, with big plastic wheels on the on the big wheel and until until you know the the center of that wheel is starting to cave in with all the holes that that you that totally. you carve into it totally. um, and then and then also just riding around the neighborhood like i remember i remember that that bike that i got uh at that uh, other location um was a bmx it was like a twin top tube bmx all silver and changed up the saddle for it from like this hard plastic thing to this nice comfortable saddle and I remember, I remember learning to ride without any kind of training wheels, just going on that from the big wheel to that BMX. And then like, oh, I'm going, I'm going. And my dad's saying like, oh, it's all you, it's all you. And then I realized he's not behind me anymore. And I'm like all the way down the block. 
and the block is starting to curve. <laughs> so I have to follow along with that curve. And then at the end of that street is an intersection with cars. So I panic and turn left and go into the, um, into the, what's it called? Sidewalk and like totally bail, scratched up my, uh, scratch up my knee, but like picked up the bike, started walking back, huge smile on my face. And I'm like, you see me? I was riding my bike. Like, you know, it's, those are the, those are the core memories that, uh, that riding really is like, that's what it is. And I remember with that, that particular BMX, uh, me and my friends, we would always, um, just explore the neighborhood. We, we like I grew up in a I grew up in a neighborhood that's like it's it, it was a pretty nice one I was very privileged uh, growing up uh, because it was safe enough for us to just ride around just me and my friends like even even me alone around the neighborhood just just alone and we would actually go on the fringes of the development of the neighborhood so where there's still trees and there's still like backwoods areas that you can kind of car paths out of and that's what we would ride we would ride like these these back path these back pathways until it like becomes a sheer cliff where the river's on the other side and like you can wow. see like across Sounds the beautiful like, you know it was gorgeous like the river i'm referring to the fraser river it's like a huge river um you don't want to swim in it <laughs> but like you know <laughs> that's that's like the 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 place that we would grow up in that that i would um, that i'd like cut my teeth uh for lack of a better term like to to ride and i remember that uh like i said it was always on the fringes of right where they were uh building the neighborhood so like all my friends they all had mountain bikes i was the only one of the bmx so they would go on these trails and just slaughter me like i wouldn't i'd barely be able to keep up but we would go into construction yards where they're building up houses before they put down the foundation just piles of massive amounts of dirt and we just go up and down these uh, up and down these mounds and uh one of those rides I, I ended up breaking my bmx had to ride it home with like a broken saddle um and then i i took a break i took a break after that um just out of purely out of shame because <laughs> i i was never i was never one of those uh, kids that like you know uh like nelson you'd see see folks that would go out and skid like oh i have to do that no i was scared i didn't I, like my first experience riding a bike i already bailed and scratched up my knee that's not a fun experience but i always loved to explore i'd always just love to ride and ride and ride and like come back when the sun started to set that kind of thing that's the kind of riding that i that i always enjoyed as a kid right um so i had forgotten that for a while until I was an adult and this girl that I was dating at the time she had a bike and she was a commuter and I was always like oh that's you know that's cool I'd, I'd love to get back into riding again and she convinced me she's like here why don't you get a bike they're only like two hundred dollars or something so I picked up a bike and we started riding again and and I never stopped <laughs> like she she ended up like moving and all this stuff and we like we broke up whatever whatever but I kept on riding and I just fell in love with it and um like my in terms of uh, translating it into my profession, um, I always went to school for like physics, astronomy, all that stuff. Just analyzing, trying to figure out how things work, trying to figure out how the universe works, and all that stuff. And it still intrigues me, like to this day. Still, I still love that. I like that's just how my brain is wired. And I went into, um, like, like Nelson said, kind of like when the plan A doesn't quite pan out. So not able to find, you know not able to to progress through my schooling to get into like the real physics stuff i just started to pick up odd jobs here and there and mostly it was in electronics because that's where a lot of my friends were i played a lot of video games a lot of my friends were in programming or they're in it and everything so i got i picked up jobs in customer service um uh troubleshooting stuff on computers actually going into it and all that and then finally when i realized that that tech 
tree, <laughs> that tech tree, <laughs> that uh, that that career path just wasn't for me. Um, I like decided to quit. Didn't have any, no parachute or anything. Just an idea of maybe I'll go into bikes <laughs> and like become a mechanic and try and figure that out. I can learn. Like I have have Hell it in my yeah. head. If there's anything that I set my mind to, I can learn it. And yeah, I. I Print out a bunch of uh, a bunch of resumes. Jumped on my bike and biked from my apartment all the way to downtown Vancouver and dropped off resumes at every bike shop along the way. And uh, one of the one of the last ones actually took me seriously because he saw that I had that analytical mind, that analytical mindset, and uh, actually believed in me and gave me a job and worked my way up from there. <laughs> Wow. So now you can um, go on rides with your next partner and and point out the constellations and talk about the planetary formation because yeah, you have that background too. <laughs> pretty much. That's my <laughs> <like> goals. <laughs> <laughs> and knowing in Vancouver you have so much, I guess, just greenery there, yeah. um, you know, that you, outdoor life, so yeah. you don't have a, as much light obstruction that we do here in the city. Yeah, a bit, but uh, all the best places are on top of a mountain, and uh, convincing someone to ride up a mountain is a daunting task. <laughs> <laughs> right, unless they have a mountain bike. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> all right, let's move into breaking down next the different bikes there are out there, because there's just so many, right? There's tricycles that includes and that includes the ones that we see in kindergarten playgrounds to the ones that we see in the Philippines there's unicycles right uh, road bikes hybrids fixies you mentioned mountain bikes electric bikes exercise bikes mopeds Jordan you mentioned you uh, before uh, we started recording that you also have a motorcycle and the list goes on so there's probably bikes that you both know about that I haven't even mentioned. I think we were talking when we were preparing for the show about even like bikes that triathletes use. So I'm curious, what bikes do you both preferably ride and why? Uh, I'll, I can start. Um, my uh, my main riding, because like I said, I'm still to this day not that much of a you know daredevil with my uh, with my riding. Um, so I mostly ride on the street. Um, but I always have this distinction whenever whenever telling folks like, oh, what kind of ride? Do you, what kind of bike do you ride? Oh, I ride on the road. Oh, so you're a roadie? You know, you you ride those road bikes. You wear lycra and all this stuff. I'm like, no, 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 no. I ride the street. <laughs> so I, my, the kind of bike that I have is a is a cyclocross bike like that, I've, uh, that I've set up to be like one uh, one by. So it's, there's no gears up front, only gears in the back. Um, very simplistic uh, shifting and everything. Nowhere near as precise as some of the uh, road bike customers would like with all the electronic shifting. Now mine is a, a, a mechanics bike for a mechanic, so everything's nice and simple. Everything's you know. Uh, as as I say, the the pain in the A or the pain in the ass that I that I am willing to work with, um, so yeah, that's the kind of riding that I that I do. Um, did a lot of uh, bike messengering uh, before I went full time as a as a um, as a service manager in my shop. I was doing part time delivery on a bike, so that's kind of uh, the type of riding that I really like is uh, is biking among cars because that's pretty much where a bike is is right along that line between walking and driving so you know i'm one of those guys that push that, wow, that that's, push that that's... <laughs> oh my gosh that's so scary out here i mean 
that like kind of goes into bike safety, but we'll talk about that too. Um, and you built your own bike, Jordan, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, built, yeah that's pretty built my own bike. Fascinating. From, uh, yeah, from a bare frame. It was uh, uh, what's it called? That's the most recent one that I built. I've built a, I've built a few bikes nowadays, but like this one um, was a a build to replace uh, another bike that uh, I got into an accident with, and this one is like. I want to build this up as my philosophy. Everything that I learned, <laughs> I'm going to distill into this bike. So that's what I'm currently riding. Nice. And then, what about you, Nelson? What do you, what do you preferably ride, and and why? Uh, I do a little bit of everything. I mean, I want to say the majority of riders where I reside, a big majority are commuters, and that can range from you know, one mile commutes to 40 mile commutes and all of their bikes are built a little differently specifically for those distances. And I myself have a commuter bike, uh, one that is like low quality and able to be beat up and not stolen for when I ride like to get coffee or to the bar, you know. And then I have a nice commuter bike that I would commute to work on when I could or, you know, run errands type thing. Uh, other than that, I also ride a lot of mountain. So I ride, there's everything from the local trails to, we have resorts out here, kind of like Whistler, but here at Big Bear and Snow Summit, they actually, when the snow melts, they convert the chairs to take bikes up. And then you can actually not climb up the mountain but then you can also descend all day with a lift ticket. And there's different degrees of runs. That generally is called downhill. Like out here, we refer to that as downhill. There's black diamond runs where there's, you could kill yourself. My God. And then there's, there's plenty, there's plenty of normal riding where it's not dangerous at all, but very fun, you know, but there's some things up there that are just not meant to be ridden. You know, like, I don't touch really black diamonds, but I do a lot of the blue runs, which are just fine. Uh, I also do road with the Lycra stuff, you know, and then I also I do a lot of, of uh, cyclocross riding, which is a road bike meant to be ridden off-road, which is a genre of, I guess you could say mountain, but because you're on a drop bar and you don't have suspension, you're getting the same adrenaline rush at half the speed, which is why I like it. Cause you, you don't have like suspension or anything else to help you. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a weird genre, but I do a little bit of that too. But then I also do like, I still have my first BMX bike that I tool around on, but I can only do that for so long. Cause I'm still skidding. Hev I'm heavier <laughs> than I was when I was a kid. <laughs> Is, is now is lycra a thing like i mean i mean obviously it's a thing but is is it essential to like wear when you're um a roadie i guess uh, it depends on what you're trying to do it all depends depends on yeah, exactly yeah. depends on where you're riding what kind of riding and also like the crew that you're with <laughs> right i see interesting now, um, do you, do you find that the bikes that you sell and repair are they, are they the same as the ones um, your your 
both riding or do you sell and repair different um, bikes than the ones that you prefer to ride? What's selling and what's selling the most at the moment? And what are you repairing the most at the moment? You want to go ahead, Duncan? Uh, currently, since I'm not in a shop, uh, most of what my clients use to for law enforcement or for security patrol are just mountain style bikes for the durability and the uh, the ease of operation, so to speak. But when I was in a shop, I mean, on the West Coast, I'm sure including Canada, like with the weather that the West Coast has, everybody is on something. You know, it's not like, oh, you want to buy this type of bike? We'll talk to him. He knows those bikes. We all have to know everything because there's so much of everybody that wants specific bikes, mountain bikes, road bikes, commuter bikes. But commuter bikes, that's just the biggest class right now. I mean, I would say so. Because, you know, people are trying to be healthy. They're trying to, like, get workouts in. They don't need to spend, like, money on a performance bike, you know. And they don't yeah. want, they don't want like the heaviness of a mountain bike and they want to ride with their kids or their spouses, you know, so they get these commuter bikes, which are great, you know, and you could be healthy. You could, you could ride for an hour and, and not, not feel demolished, you know, on these bikes. If you go through a shop, you know. Yeah. And I remember we saw an increase um, in bike sales during like the early part or the peak of the pandemic right all of a sudden there were like even shops where they didn't even have any bikes to sell because everyone was was buying them was that the same thing for you jordan um (laughs) the uh the pandemic like the bike industry exploded it was massive during uh during 2020 um like what's it called i remember the first the first time that i realized like that things had changed during the pandemic. I was uh, I was working on, on the computer. I was supposed to be doing some website stuff for our online store. And then all of a sudden I hear my boss, Jordan, get out of here. I need you to fix this flat or whatever. And I come out the door and he's outside under a tent and he's got this line of people just reaching all the way down the block. And all of them are there for service because they want to get, you know, they realized, oh, biking is the only thing that I can do during the pandemic. So I have a bike in a basement or I have a bike in a garage. I'm going to take it out and, and you know, start start to ride again. Um, cause that's all I can do. Everything else is closed down. And yeah, like that's, it, it was, it was insane. Um, just sheer amount of bikes that were sold. And it was like every kind of bike, every bike, every kind of bike. So like kids bikes that we sell a lot of, um, Strider bikes were, were fairly popular. Um, and then the same thing, like a lot of commuter bikes, a lot of hybrid bikes, a lot of just, uh, towny cruisy bikes, um, just anything that folks they really wanted to to get outside enjoy the sun you know get some fresh air um and totally. just, you know two wheels right so there was there was a lot of that uh we also sell sold a lot of uh, a lot of mountain bikes too because uh the the vancouver area is huge for mountain biking especially with like north shore mountains like around squamish or, or whistler um so Mountain biking is massive out here, so there's a lot of full suspension mountain bikes out here, a lot of hardtail mountain bikes uh, that are sold out here. Um, yeah, even though we're a, we're a general shop, uh, we still have to carry like 
a selection of uh, of crazy downhill tires and and all that. And so that's still the case. Um, as we're still, it's like moved into the endemic, I guess, supposedly, yeah, right? So I've, that's are you still like um, selling selling and repairing the same type of bikes? Definitely still still repairing the same kind of bikes. Uh, a lot of the bikes that we uh, that we sold during the pandemic are now coming back for their regular maintenance, which is great. I I want to see those bikes come back. I don't want to see them back in like 10, 20 years for of neglect. So uh, it's good to see a lot of the bikes that we sold uh, coming back for, for repairs. Um, in terms of like general sales as well, I we're in a in a period that I like to call like the COVID hangover. Um, where things are starting to slow down for sure. They're kind of settling back into the 2019, like pre-pandemic uh, uh, busyness and, and whatnot, um, at least when it comes to sales. But I'm still seeing a, a pretty, um, not, yeah, pretty steady level of busyness um, for, for service and repairs because everyone that bought a bike still have, still has those bikes and still wants to get out and ride them even if it's been sitting for like over week, over the winter. And some people are hanging their lycra now back in their closet during the COVID hangover. <laughs> some folks are for sure. Yeah. And then, there, and, but then there are also other folks that, uh, you know, that, that I'm encountering that got into riding during the, uh, during the pandemic and uh, now they're competing in races or they're getting ready to do like a, a triathlon or an Ironman. And like, you know, for, for everyone that uh, like, for everyone that kind of, retired out of biking because it just wasn't for them. There were other folks that found out that this is what they love to do. Um, I have a, I had a customer that came in like a couple of weeks ago and um, like her athletic background was javelin, like track and field stuff. And oh, wow. yeah, so like her, that was, that was her background. And she, she entered into a, uh, this program is like kind of sponsored by one of the local banks, but it is a program where they kind of analyzed her athletic acumen and figure out what uh, what she was great at and they suggested hey you should try riding a bike like there's the velodrome over in like north burnaby um in indoor an indoor uh, cycling track and um she did it tried it out and she fell in love with it now she's like winning road races even though she started just last year <laughs> so like you know some folks just <laughs> got into it and like realized that it's their passion right i guess i wish i athlete, had that. always an athlete <laughs> yeah I think we're at a good place to take a break, guys. So it's been a great first half talking with you both, and we're barely touching the surface about cycling and wellness. We're at the first half of the seg of our segment together. Thank you all for joining us for our third episode of Season 3. We're talking with Nelson Raboy and Jordan Maximana. Feel free to take a quick stretch, refill your water or tea, which I'll be doing. We'll be right back after this quick break. Yo, living for the love of the day, ha, the way the sun is filling my face. When we blowing trees up on the beach, she smile at me and time it sees and then she put my hand on her waist. Ha, love me then just love who I am. I'm like Bond with a Caribbean tan I ain't perfect and I'm hurting and I'm searching to be worth it You'll forgive me, I'm the children of man We live it, then we love it, we love it and then we leave it And this shit, it ain't making no sense We hit it and we rub it, we bust it and then say fuck it And we wonder why she mad at the end He got nothing but love, but I ain't him, huh? I got things to get done, is what it is, love 
black sun It's giving me life, so I back up A student and a teacher, a leaver and a believer A seer and a seeker, essentially she a heater I leave her cause I leader these space and then make it realer And I swear it to the stars, I ain't the thing that would defeat you Yo, living for the love of the day Ha, the way she got that look on her face huh. Rocking chucks and rolling plus the underground is what she bumps in Cali smoking weed by the waves Ha, love me then just love who I am Yeah, you know it in the moment you laugh Welcome back to Philippine X in Wellness. You were just listening to the first part of Honey and Hash by Kings and Mike Flaunt off of their album Premium Smoke through their label Operation Take Over the World, also known as Otto. King's, King's son is Jordan's godson, so he's practically like a brother-in-law to you, yeah. right, Jordan? What's up, King? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for this connection. You can help support Kings and Mike Flaunt by following them on Facebook or on Instagram at Kings, that's spelled K-H-I-N-G-Z, Otto, O-T-O-W, one word, and at Mike Flaunt, so spelled M-I-C-F-L-O-N-T. You can find their music on most streaming platforms, including Bandcamp, Apple Music, Spotify, and Amazon. Shout out to our extended family of musicians out there laying down the tracks. Returning from our break, we've been talking with Jordan Laksamana and Nelson Raboy. Continuing the conversation from our first half, let's do a further breakdown of our episode title, Cycling and Wellness. How do you two personally see cycling as an important part of not only your personal wellness, but a physical activity that folks in our Philippine ex or Filipino community can adopt? I can share that for me personally, my mom's 85 and when I've talked to her, she's shared with me that she's incorporated her home stationary exercise bike as part of her own regular fitness routine. In areas like LA County, Los Angeles County, Ciclavia was formed to promote additional forms of public transportation, increase exploration in different neighborhoods that maybe one might not typically venture into and address public health needs. Ciclovia itself was inspired by Ciclovia in Bogota, Colombia. I don't know if there's an equivalent in the Vancouver area, Jordan, but let's talk about how you both see cycling as an important part of this larger discussion of wellness within our community globally. Who'd like to go first on this one? (laughs) It's pointing at you, Uh, Jordan. So, um... I think I think cycling is huge and a and a great opportunity for for a lot of folks in our community. Um, main reason is because it gets you out of the house, gets you moving. Um, in a lot of nine to five jobs, you spend a lot of time just sitting, just sitting down, staring at a screen. Um, sure, you're sitting yeah. on a bike, but you're moving your legs, and also you mm. have to be looking farther away than a screen <laughs> in order to make make sure that you're uh, that you're safe on the road. Or, or a path. Plus, it's just, you know, it gets the blood flowing. I know for myself, um, when I started cycling and, and, and biking, like, two, what's it called? Biking regularly, it was to yeah. commute to work. Because um, I don't drive, um, so I would take transit to and from work. Before, that was, like, a 45-minute commute, right? Every day, 45 minutes there, 45 minutes back. And taking that on a bus and a train, it's super passive, super passive. So 
um, just sitting there, it kind of felt like, you know, that whole classic, I'm a sardine in a can just waiting to be delivered. That's it, you know, to, to and from work. Um, and then I found that changing over to biking to work um, not only, you know, got me out of that sardine can, got me out of the Petri dish that, you know, people open mouth cough on buses and trains all the time, but, you know, got me out of that so I could have some fresh air so I can get that circulation, that morning exercise. Um, so that by the time I got to my job, I wasn't, you know, dreading being there. I was actively pushing myself to go there. So it, in a way, it was reclaiming my commute. Um, and that uh, that was a huge, huge thing for me. And even though, you know, 45 minute bus ride, you think that is going to take like an hour by bike. No, my, my route, I happen to be about 40 minutes, 40 to 42 minutes by bike. Just in that, in like, and that's what's it called? As fast as as fast as taking transit, so it was all basically a net gain um, to commute by uh, to commute by bike because also I wasn't beholden to all the transit delays that uh, that uh, that could happen, right? So, yeah, it was that it was that combination of physical and mental well being just from uh, just from doing um, just from biking on as part of my work routine, you know, biking to and from work, and then taking that outside of work. Now that I've like, you know, okay, they've got this, got this one route. Now let's explore. Let's go all the way around the lower mainland. Let's try to do a full loop of the peninsula. Um, like just from, just from that, you know, small beginning of going, you know, 12 kilometer, 12 kilometer commute to like doing a hundred or 200 kilometers. Like, yeah, it just, it opened the world. It opened the world to me. So I like, personally, I want everyone to feel that. Right. Um, I want yeah. to kind of like experience that uh, that uh, opening of everything. And it's not just, you know, that that same feeling that you get. Oh, I'm going to jump in my car and like go on a road trip. Um, you're actively participating. You're not just putting your foot down, not just, you know, steering your steering wheel. You're actually pushing yourself there. It gives you it gives you so much respect for the topography and the layout of your city that now you actually know what the distances are. Things look super far away when you're just looking at it, when you're looking across the river. But when you bike there, you realize, hey, that's not that far at all. It really opens up the world. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's especially important, right, with our for our community to be active, especially because we have like high rates of diabetes, high blood pressure, and a, a lot of times, like this form of exercise helps to combat that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, like I, I can I can use have my mom as kind of an example. Like she's she's. Uh, She's taking medication for diabetes, and I keep trying to get her to like, hey, you know, be a bit more active. You know, go out and walk some more, ride your uh, ride a bike. Um, she doesn't like to get sweaty. <laughs> she's she's a classy lady. Doesn't want to get sweaty. So um, like, that's kind of one of those things. Like, that just it's it's good to 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 ride to kind of combat that. And that's that's one of the struggles. Trying to get my mom to be. Mm. She's the ultimate goal. I want my mom on a bike. <laughs> yeah. It's funny when you kept on talking about like sardines in a can. I couldn't stop thinking about legal. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm just thinking. Man, it's my stomach talking. <laughs> what about you, Nelson? Do you want to add to that? I totally agree with Jordan. I mean, the whole notion of you know bodies in motion stay in motion. Uh, the one thing that is good about cycling is that everybody generally knows what a bike is, so there's not like a foreignness to it everybody generally has a first time on a bike story 
you know, and it, and what it comes down to is is getting it in your schedule. Anything you do to burn calories to work out, it starts with the want and then getting it into your schedule. I promise you, you know, you do something. It doesn't even need to be cycling. You could walk. If you walk for half an hour on a day that you want to walk, I guarantee you you're going to feel better after the walk. Guaranteed. With cycling, it is just exaggerated, you know, because not only do you get the cardio, but you get, you know, the the dopamine hit like a runner mm-hmm. gets. So you feel good on top of that. And because you're powering yourself, sometimes it doesn't even feel strenuous. You don't have to do strenuous riding to ride. You know, just riding to ride is starting. You gotta start somewhere, you know. And I mean, shoot, if you can dedicate one day out of the week to ride your bike, let's say like a Saturday when you're off, instead of driving to the coffee shop, Ride your bike to the coffee shop. You know, it's like Jordan says, you know, you might see things that you didn't even notice your city offered, you know, in one way or another, you know, or you might, you know, find a really relaxing way to ride somewhere and not be stressed out in red lights and stop and go. You know, you might actually like it, you know. Totally. And there's plenty of, there's, Recreational riding, there's riding for fitness, and then there's serious people that are trying to, like, build a certain style of health. You know, you don't have to belong to anyone, but I guarantee you, you dedicate one day a week first for a half an hour ride, and you will feel better after that ride. I promise. Also, it makes the beer taste better after you ride, for some reason. I promise. I promise. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I mean, I heard some people too, like when they were working from homes. I've I've heard of people also joining meetings on their stationary uh, exercise bike at home, and they no one knew, but like they had their frame in the camera, and they were actually pedaling while they were in their meetings. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of another way, like yeah. you know, you can get movement going. But I was gonna say, not only that, um, what's cool about cycling is when you do it outdoors or any as with any outdoor activity you get vitamin d right totally and what we saw too is and it's the natural form of getting vitamin d and what we saw also during like the pandemic or again you know now we're in the endemic phase we've actually seen a lot i mean my doctor told me that uh, we've seen a lot more people having low levels of vitamin D because they were spending most of their time indoors, like quarantining. But at the same time, they weren't getting enough sun exposure. So that's another thing, right, that makes cycling, uh, you know, as an outdoor physical activity important because that those regular dosages of vitamin D also builds your immune system naturally. So I just wanted to Totally. Say that's another added benefit, right? To cycling. Totally. Um, back when I was uh, doing um, delivery, just delivering uh, food and whatnot down in in downtown Vancouver, I swear my my immune system was the strongest that it had ever been. <laughs> like, just the amount of the amount of stuff that would kick up from the road, 
and I didn't want to catch a cold. Like that was it was crazy. Like just being active, having your blood flow is uh, is huge. And and even then, I just kind of wanted to to touch on like um, cycling is a lot easier than most folks realize. Um, totally. One of, one of my one of my uh, my former boss. One of his favorite anecdotes was I believe there was a study. I never really looked into it. I really should. But there was a study back uh, before where they tried to figure out what the most efficient mode of transportation was. And or the most efficient mode of, tra yeah, transport. And they found that, you know, everyone says, well, the albatross, that, that bird that flies across the ocean is the most efficient, right? Wrong. It's cycling. Cycling has the, is even more efficient than, than an albatross flying. Because, like, you put in your energy... But you also coast a lot too, right? Like you don't have to be pedaling all the time. You're not always going up a hill. So there's a lot of coasting involved. So it's a lot easier than, than folks originally like think. And a properly tuned bike is that much easier to ride because the bearings aren't all crunchy, slowing you down. You're not fighting all this stuff. A properly tuned bike will work with you and make it so much easier. That's awesome. That makes your roles even more important. I just want to say, too, that on a mental notion of riding, you know, I always feel like it resets you and grounds you cognitively because you may not be working out so hard that you're going to pass out, but you're still burning calories and you still have to concentrate and you still are you're, you're having stimulus because you you have to look for hazards uh all the neurological pathways of your balance and your hearing you know and all that stuff you you keep you know you keep doing reps on that all that stuff like contributes to feeling better and living better and just being overall in a better mood when when you're at rest you know you stress your body a little bit riding a bike and you get to the point where you can use it as a tool to actually burn calories mm -hmm. and use it as an exercise and it's it's great i mean you know yeah one, yeah no no 100 percent there's that uh, the combination of like the physical exercise of it but yes totally the mental aspect as well and I'm not talking about like, you know, you're, you're making your, your mental game harder so that you can ride harder rides. It's like, no, just the fact that you're not in traffic, the fact that you can take that right. side route or that path that not very many people are on, um, or that you can decide, you know what, I'm going to take a break right over here. There's a bench right there that's overlooking the water. I want to stop there for a second. And it's like, it's that taking control of exactly what's in front right. of you. And that is huge. Because a lot of times, especially in our day-to-day -day at work, we have our tasks. We're doing one thing, which leads into another thing. We have this other thing that's due next week and blah, blah, blah. But when you're out on the bike, that's it. Where do you want to go? Yeah. And it's entirely up to you. I, I feel like yeah. you're going slow enough to not put your life in danger at certain times. But you're also going fast enough to where you have enough things to worry about that you forget about, you know, your actual life and you have a chance to like, 
almost be meditative, you know, and you're, you're, it's just, you're on the bike and you've got to accomplish this ride. You know, it's, it's, it's really therapeutic, I think, you know, I've had people say like, ride, riding a bike is cheaper than therapy. I've actually had people say that to me. Probably depends on the bike. <laughs> yeah, it totally depends on the bike. <laughs> but most, I'm gonna throw most in bikes like, are cheap. Most bikes are affordable. So. <laughs> yeah. What are the ranges for a good bike? Right. Um, Price-wise. My uh, suggestion, I always say this to friends, I always say this to customers, is if you're looking to buy a bike, at least up here in Canada with the way the prices are, yeah, um, Canadian dollar. Canadian dollar is you want to you budget around 600 to $750 to get a good bike. That'll either be yeah. that'll either be a really good quality <laughs> new bike, like, you know, just something. Yeah. One, rides well, has good components. Two, looks good, because that's an important thing. You want to make sure you, if you like the way the bike looks, you're going to want to ride it. So those two things, you know, you'll, you'll be able to get a good quality bike or or you spend half or a third of that to get a really good quality old bike and then the rest of that money to tune it up to make it new again because you can find some really good mm. gems out there that are used and just like neglected and make them sing again so like always that's like a lowrider concept yeah right so it's like you know i would <laughs> say budget around 600 to 750 because you can either get a good quality yeah. new bike or an amazing old bike that just needs to be cleaned up same same price range here in the U.S., Nelson? I would say so. That's, yeah. like, right on. I mean, especially for somebody that's new to the sport. Yeah. Uh, it gives them a chance to actually step into it while still being able to ha enjoy the experience. Usually, if you go anything less than $600, yes, you are saving some money but usually you're it's at the price of experience as far as like how you feel on the bike how the bike rides uh what you expect the bike to do may not be fulfilling your needs if you go below that dip but i also t i always tell people you know talk to somebody in a shop first you know qualify like, like buying online right like at least have somebody evaluate what you want the bike to do because if you can have somebody guide you as to what you plan to do with the bike that will keep you from spend overspending you know because everybody wants the ferrari you know everybody yeah. want everybody wants like the two thousand dollar bike yeah you know but if you don't need a two thousand dollar bike i mean shoot if you can spend like eight hundred dollars all, that's a lot of beer the rest of that money can buy. Right? You know what I'm saying? And, and it's also good, too. Like, if you have an idea of, like, I want to spend this much money on the, on the bike, and it turns out that the bike that is the right fit happens to leave some room in the budget, get the good safety equipment, get that high-visibility jacket, get that good, solid right. helmet, you know? Get the stuff that... Get that Lycra gear. Get the Lycra gear, yeah. <laughs> can I touch on? Can I touch on that? Can I touch sure, on that? Yeah, yeah. Go right ahead, Nelson. So, I was against. So, there was a time where I was against riding road bikes, just because I was like, I don't need that, you know. And when I first experienced 
a road bike, it blew my mind, and I bought one that same month. However, being that I'm a mountain biker, I was like, I'm just going to wear my mountain bike stuff. I don't need Lycra. And I kept riding with my coworkers and other people and the club rides. And, you know, they would just kind of smile at me. But after a month, it was like, you know what? I'm not improving. I'm going to do what they do. I'm going to eat what they eat. I'm going to wear what they wear. And I'm going to clip in, which nobody... Clipping in is where you actually are attached to the bike, where your foot is attached to the pedal. And I did all that stuff. But I'll tell you what, when I wore the Lycra, that was the biggest, like change for the good What's, but it's what very difference does it make when you're when you're riding so i used to ride with cotton okay. and on a hot august day like cotton gets like silky and steamy and terrible when you wear lycra it transfers that moisture and your clothes stay dry oh like runners mm-hmm. yes yes and because of that benefit the temperature modulation is even better. You stay cooler, mm. so you sweat less, and you don't get like you don't get like that resistance as far as pedaling goes. Yeah, because the lycra sticks to your skin, so there's no like drag from your clothes when you for motion. Kind of like when you wear baggy stuff, you know, you'll get like that drag, especially when you get sweaty. Yeah. Anyways, so I can see the beneficial if you're like if you're a distance rider, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if you're doing anywhere from like I don't know a distance ride for an a weekend warrior rider, wouldn't you say Jordan is like twenty five miles for or a it's, weekend it's, warrior? They're on metric. I'm sorry, thirty <laughs> k's. Yeah, that's basically like twenty five miles is what like. 35, 40 kilometers. So that's that's the usual kind of yeah. Thirty five, forty k. There's some guys that do yeah. like hundred kilometer every ride. Those guys are kind of crazy, right? <laughs> but there are people out there that do that. But yeah, like your average right. your average rider will only be out there for like, yeah 25, 30 miles. And I am not definitely not like a racer guy, so I don't have a racer body. But I still wear Lycra because it keeps you cool, mm. and you don't overheat. <clears throat> yeah. And you just it just everything feels better, you know. I've I've taken nice. the I've taken the hard the hard road <laughs> in terms of because I, I actually yes. don't ride in like a lot of club rides. I ride mostly by myself or like with sure. a couple of the coworkers here and there and they'll come out on the sure. rides yeah. and lycra and everything. And meanwhile I'm wearing like under armor golf shorts that are also breathable and like wick the moisture away, but not skin tight. <laughs> so they're, yeah, they, yeah. they keep looking at me like one day, one day. I'm like slowly transitioning, <laughs> but at the same time, like resisting. <laughs> I was there. I was there. Actually, there's a group that I ride with on the mountain bikes that that they wear like or so. I ended up doing that for mountain too with certain people I ride with, yeah. which is fine. Yeah, I'm, nice. I'm also the, I'm also the guy in the uh, in the shop that when we went out to ride mountain bikes, I was one of two people who actually clipped in, even though I don't ride mountain bikes. But they're just, how do you do that? I'm like, I, I feel more comfortable clipped in because I actually feel connected to the bike and can control can, uh, can control it, you know. So it's it's, it's ride, totally it's ride safer. How, how, ride however you feel comfortable. 
That's a great thing to touch on, Nelson, when you just mentioned safety. And usually that's something, let's just talk about the elephant in the closet when it comes to cycling. Some people are deterred from cycling because they're concerned about bicycle safety, right? And if you live like in a major city like Los Angeles or maybe like San Francisco, some people are weary of, of going in, you know, into cycling because they're also scared of like being hit you know, by drivers that they have to share the road with. Any advice on bicycle safety and what people should prepare for? Especially, Jordan, you mentioned you were also a bike messenger and, and both of you ride on the streets. What advice would you give our community on bicycle safety? And whoever wants to take that first. Well, I always tell people to consult their local bike shop for possible places to ride because normally everybody in the bike shop either if they don't commute to work they ride often you know and they'll be able to point you in like the right route for your level because there are levels of riding that you can cope with so that the higher levels when you are more experienced you are going to be safer in heavier traffic but you have to have that experience because there is a flow and there is like there is a tempo that cars and motorists think how they think and how they how they drive you know but uh i mean if it is truly a concern i always suggest going to you know a local park or going to where, where i live there's all kinds of riding area along the beach, which is traffic-free. Uh, a lot of the areas in Southern California have a isolated pedestrian lane, so cyclists and pedestrians are even further separated. You know, but I'm sure if you find like a central park, or I know some cities have like areas where you can jog and walk. If it's allowable, you can ride your bike there. Usually, when it's you know not crowded. If it's not allowed, I mean, try to go like when when it's not crowded, you know, type thing. But you can find a way to ride your bike. You know, if if I used to do laps in my neighborhood when I was like, you know, training, so to speak, and yeah. just being in the neighborhood was fine too. Yeah. You know. Would you like to add to that, Jordan? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, pretty much just want to reiterate, it's exact, you know, like, uh, Nelson hit the nail on the head. It's uh, it's about, like, getting out there and actually riding your bike. Um, but, you know, before before getting into that, um, the knowledge of where to ride, where to start riding. Um, local bike shops, like you said, everyone there rides a bike. Everyone probably knows some really good routes or roads to kind of get started on. Um, heck, when I started uh, even even messengering and everything, um, Google Maps has a filter purely for bike roads and bike paths. So that's a good place to start as well, um, because, like you said, like there is a there is a flow, there is a tempo. Just like riding your, just like when you first started driving a car, if you drive, um, totally you, you practice in the slower roads first before you get into the main road, before you get onto the highway right so you gotta you gotta kind of work your way up and 
and graduate to those levels, right? Um, so riding a bike is the same thing. You know, you can start off with uh, with you know the little back roads or alley next to your house, and kind of if you want to, once you feel feel more comfortable with that, if you do want to ride in the city, you know, you've got, always got the sidewalk as an option. Just make sure you're not going too fast for people that are walking. You're giving plenty of room, plenty of space, because we're all sharing the the space together. But you know, like um, you can get like do some research on the bike paths on the bike uh, friendly roads because there's almost always a path to get from point A to point B in your city where you can not interact with any cars like there's there's all there's almost always a path you just got to find it um, and like for me it took me what like five ten years before I figured out the path to get from my house to my work or to get to downtown Vancouver and once I found it like man that was that was it that was like the best route because it was on the, it was parallel to the to the road but not on the road as you know completely protected and uh, finding those routes like your dog agrees Nelson <laughs> yes and some people don't even like to wear helmets because they say it don't look cool <laughs> that's uh, it's very bad right very, have you very heard bad. that's so common yeah. Wear, wear your helmet. But that'll save your life. It will save your life. Like, okay, so, you know, folks will say, you know, it doesn't look cool and whatever. Like, bike messengers, <laughs> you'll see a lot of videos of guys on fixies and whatnot not wearing helmets. It's the same thing as skateboarders or BMXers not wearing helmets in the park. Sure, they can, yeah. but it's dumb, and they know it's dumb. Any any proper messenger or, or people that are actually, like, professionally riding and, like, riding difficult stuff or dangerous things always wearing a helmet like professional skateboarders wear helmets <laughs> like every you know you got to protect your head um i've been in a i've been in a few accidents now i've actually gone through three helmets in the last two years because i've gone into an accident and luckily i was wearing my helmet so yeah always wear your helmet your you your, I your say, arms uh... and your muscles can recover your brain cells cannot totally I, I always tell people it's the slow speed stuff where you're not paying attention is where your helmet is going to help you. Like when you're going fast and you're feeling like you're feeling vulnerable, that's when you're really paying attention. Mm -hmm. It's not really going to, the percentage of helping you there is not as high as when you, you're comfortable and going slow and messing around. And, and, uh, there, there's this, this just reminds me of this trail that I rode. We, we do this trail in Fullerton, California, called the Fullerton Loop. Mm -hmm. And it is a walk, hike, jog type thing. And it goes through neighborhoods. It's not really a trail per se. I mean, it is a trail, but you have to link all the dirt sections together and get through the neighborhoods. Anyways, there's a part where there's a upper and lower parallel way to go. The upper part is for utility vehicles like you know, the water trucks and the construction guys. And then the bottom part is a real actual trail that somebody like kind of carved out through the bushes. Anyways, I was going to try to like fake my friends out and like I missed the ride and I got there a little late. I'm watching them ride on the upper part. Right. And I was going to drop in on them and be like, Hey, I made it, you know? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know why, but the utility gate was closed for some reason. And it's never closed, but I didn't see it because I'm looking at them like down, like, you know, 20 feet down. 
I'm watching the back of their heads, trying to listen to their conversation, seeing if they're like ripping on me, you know. And yeah. I'm like just looking at them, oh, and I'm we're probably riding like maybe warming up on our mountain bikes. We're probably doing like ten, you know, ten miles, twelve miles an hour, like <sighs> trying to like. And I hit this gate, not even looking at it, not even looking at it. It was very. It didn't tickle. I'll tell you that. Like this pipe gate. It was just a pipe gate to stop cars from driving it. Anyways. So lesson. That's that's when helmets yeah. help you when you're being stupid, you know. And I actually I had this argument with a guy saying like you know, I don't need a helmet. You know I ride safe. You know and you're not going fast enough to to need a helmet anyway. And I looked at him and I said, well, and. I was very, I was younger and more like abrasive in my younger age. And I was like, y you know, the average human can run about eight to 10 miles an hour. And he goes, okay, I go, why don't you run as fast as you can with your hands behind your back into a wall and tell me like, if you're face first into the wall and tell me if like, you know, you're not, you don't go that fast on a bike. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, well, how much do helmets cost? <laughs> there you go. And Mike I showed dropped. him a helmet. Dude. Mike dropped. Totally, right? Good one about yeah. Anyways. So, <clears throat> point taken. If you're going to cycle, be safe, y'all. Yeah. Definitely scope out an area and then, you know, wear the helmet. You know, get lights. That'll help, too. Because you can run those lights in the daytime just like cars do. Anything to help your visibility, you know. Sweet. And you're going to need the lights anyway because, you know, you you got to go to the grocery store or you're at the bar too late. got to have lights, you know. But, it, I mean, that's, that's kind of one of the funny things. Like, you know, you're going to leave the lights, but uh, <laughs> it sucks. But a lot of homeless folks will steal bike lights because they need them that's true it's a safety thing they they understand that having a light is 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 good but yeah like, can you get sighted hmm? in uh canada jordan or can you get sighted for riding at night without lights um not that i know of i mean i'm pretty sure you can but like i haven't personally but then again, okay, I don't ride without lights. I feel bad whenever I'm out without a light because it's just totally like it's it's sketch. It's sketch when you're riding a bike at night without lights because totally like, think of think of your reaction time and how long it takes to stare at something to see the detail of it in the dark. And that's coming at yeah. you at like 20, 25 miles an hour. Like you can't see a thing if there's a pothole or, or, an, or an obstruction that's there. I'm not going to see it until it's like three feet away from me and by that point I realize it's there I'm already on top of it so it's just sketch without a without a light um like what's it called uh, the the couple of times when I've had to actually bike home from like my cousin's house or whatever and it's nighttime and I forgot my light oh man <laughs> like the same roads that I would ride on that I'm comfortable with I've ridden them all the time suddenly I'm scared of there being potholes in there <laughs> and I'm going a lot slower totally different right yeah totally, totally different. different road you, you you're you if you can't see it it's it's infinitely scarier. Well, I only ask because down here you can get a ticket from the police for riding your bike without lights. Yeah. Although I've never seen or heard anyone do it, I'm sure if they wanted to, 
the uh, enforcement enough, they they would deal it to you. I've uh, I've almost gotten a ticket for riding a bike without a helmet. <laughs> I was going downhill from a bu- from a bus stop up, up at the top of the hill near my apartment. I was riding down riding downhill without my helmet, and police pulled me over a block away from my apartment. And then he's just like, "Okay, you're you know where are you headed?" I'm like, "I'm just going home." Like, where's your helmet? I'm like, forgot it at home. He's like, oh, where's home? I'm like, a block down that way, that building right over there. Looks at my ID. He's like, all right, just walk your bike there. I'm like, okay, thank you, sir. But really, he was ready to give me a ticket for for riding my bike downhill without a helmet. So here, if you're under 18, you could get cited for not wearing a helmet. But you, as the rider, aren't going to get the ticket. It's your parents that are going to get the ticket. Interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a law out here. I mean, at least in California. Is it true that um, drinking and biking is also um, a thing? Like Very you bad. can you can get pulled over for that too, right? It's considered. A, your bike is considered a vehicle, so yeah. it's a DUI. Yeah. Cool. Same with a skateboard. You get a DUI on a skateboard because you're on a moving. Uh, yeah, you're oper- you're operating a vehicle. You're going faster than you can walking. Right, so. right. So be careful if you get those beers, y'all, on that ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally it's not worth it. <laughs> do it. All right, we're gonna circle back to you both as we start to approach the end of the episode. I know this has been um, a def- informative one. I'm curious to know, what are your personal and professional goals when it comes to cycling, if you have any? Uh, where would you like to take it next? Tour de France one day? Mountain biking somewhere else in the world? Who wants to take this? I can jump in. I mean, in terms of like cycling goals, I've, I've actually accomplished a lot of the stuff that I set out for myself back when I was like getting back into cycling in my like early adult life um i've accomplished what's called the triple crown um here in vancouver where we go up the three main three main mountains so the three crowns um so i managed to pull that off on my 33rd birthday so triple crown for 33 um and then i also managed and i also got into being a bike messenger which was another one of the things that i was like oh that would be crazy if i was able to do this and lo and behold i was able to do it because you know as you ride you gain confidence you start to try out all these things um, and I also rode from here to Seattle, from Vancouver to Seattle in one ride. Um, so what? accomplishing like a That's full right. century, a double century by metric standards in, uh, in one ride. So like a lot of those things, I'm like, you know what? I did it. I'm pretty satisfied. But at the same time, I did it. I kind of want to do it again. <laughs> and explain, explain to our community what a century is. Um, so a century is exactly what a century is it's 100 so there's a thing called a metric century where you're riding 100 kilometers in a single ride and then there's the classical century which is 100 miles in a single ride um and it's like you know a ride is whether you're doing loops around the block or you're going from point a to point b or you're doing a massive loop around the peninsula or the city if you manage to pull off and it's you know if it's on strava it actually happened you have it recorded somewhere you can show that you rode 100 kilometers that's a century um a lot of beginner riders uh will hear this term and like oh you know that's crazy i want to uh, like I, I need to try to 
do a century, people will train up and like exercise and train for the purposes of pulling off a century because it's not an easy feat. Um, it's it definitely takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of mental fortitude, um, and you want to be prepared when you're actually going out on that ride because 100 kilometers or 100 miles is no joke, um, especially when you factor in things like elevation, because uh, not everywhere is a velodrome, not everywhere is going to be completely flat. So riding 100, 100 miles wherever you are is going to be difficult. You want to make sure you stay hydrated. You want to make sure you have enough nutrition on you or at least have a credit card. So when you stop for a break, you can get some food in you. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And Nelson, per personal, professional goals within the world of cycling? Well, I feel like being in this industry already achieved my goal of not working like at a, in an office or desk for my, you know, my whole life, which is one of the goals I wanted at a really young age. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I just recently like started watching the Tour de France and I knew a guy in the industry who did, uh, mechanics for one of the teams in the tour for a little bit, you know? And I thought that was like, man, it doesn't get any higher than that. You what know, do you mean by mechanics? Like a, he would service the team bikes for the people that would compete on the tour. Oh, I see. Yes. And he would like go with them, like be in the hotels with them, like get the dinners with them, mm. you know, have the travel with them. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, I watched the tour and I think that stuff's cool, but, you know, I would always think like who has the time for that and you know I wouldn't get clearance codes from my wife for that definitely but then I started I started recently <laughs> thinking like there's no team on the Tour de France from the Philippines and I was like man I'm like I would totally support them and watch them and then I started thinking like man what if they needed a mechanic you know that would be sick right to like work on the bikes for Team Philippines or a team from the Philippines in the Tour de France, you know, representing the country, man. Hashtag goals. I mean, if you guys actually start a team anytime soon, and you know you want to try somebody out, give us a call, Jordan <laughs> or myself, man. I mean, shoot, yeah. like, wouldn't that be sick? Pro, like being a pro mechanic definitely one of the goals for sure like that's hmm. right there there are videos of pro mechanics in one of the cars trailing right next to a, a cyclist on the road leaning out of the window and making adjustments to their bike while they're going like 40 50 miles an hour like that's insane but it's also super totally cool insane. for people that are doing that that actually do these things that like right. work with these hands right like that right. is super fun stuff i mean just to be like I've seen professional events in California and just to be like in a professional cycling event in California, just being there is like amazing. Mm -hmm. But to be part of a team like at the world level, you know, that would be crazy. Yeah. I, know I don't know. About... I just feel like. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. I know of a, um, there was a mechanic that uh, the shop that I started to, that I learned from one of the previous mechanics who had left, I think like the year before, uh, she, she started off just being on the till, right? Just ringing things through um, and selling, selling bikes and accessories. And then eventually she, got, she learned how to be a mechanic 
learn how to build wheels and all this stuff. She was a race mechanic, became a race mechanic for the giant live team. So traveled wow. Europe and like, you know, like wow. with the racing team, tuning up their bikes, making sure they're all race ready. Was that like actually there and like the cars following them? Like, and that's, you know, just starting from working on the till. Like it's, uh, wow. The world opens up and it's, you know, you just, you follow it and you follow your passion. It's amazing. Totally. Now, are, do you both, as cyclists, follow other cyclists out there? Um, do you, like, have people that inspire you in this industry? And if so, where are they located and why? Um, so I have a, I mean, I have a couple of folks that I, that I follow. It's, I, I'm not super, super big on, um, like, the professional riders, like guys like... Uh, What's it, Peter Sagan and whatnot? Like, they're those are huge names. They have enough people following. So I typically, I typically watch uh, some folks on like Instagram or whatever, or even folks that I used to work with. Like, there's this one, uh, one of the mechanics who uh, used to work in my shop. We hired her just before, uh, just before COVID. And during the interview, he's just like, "Oh yeah, what kind of riding do you do you do?" She's like, "Oh, I ride mountain bikes." It's like, "Cool. What did what, what did you do? What did you do?" Um, turns out she was the uh, national women's national champion of mountain biking from italy so like <laughs> like that is cool and then like taught her how to how to wrench and everything and like she's one of the most competent mechanics that i know of um and now she's working for cask out back out in italy like with all for helmets and whatnot riding the world if you follow her instagram her name's uh, serena uh, serena serena tasca but like look her up on instagram and she has some crazy like just now she's just traveling traveling for traveling to ride bikes in crazy destinations like that's what a life <laughs> wow what, what is cask what cask is a uh it's another brand that uh that sells sells helmets and other cycling equipment so um they have, okay. a, they have an office out in italy and that's where she's working really cool helmets really yeah. cool helmets. and you okay and you nelson anyone that um you follow in the world of cycling so i don't per se follow people in general <laughs> uh, i mean shoot i want to say the last social media i had was was friendster <laughs> maybe myspace i had myspace <laughs> anyways uh but i do still keep in touch with somebody at every shop i've worked with and there are two rides that i do from two different shops that i still attend and one is a Monday ride in Huntington Beach. And the other one is a Thursday ride at Fullerton Loop, which is, they're both staples of just training rides of nothing, nothing more than just base mileage, which is like upkeep of, of your fitness, nothing crazy. But I do ride with two Filipinos for now. And one was a client that is now a friend and another one is a a client that's also now a friend. So if people wanted to do community rides with, with you both, how, how would they get on that? Uh, and find out how to be a part of it. I would say text me. That's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> There's not like a forum or anything. No, I don't have like a form for these rides. These rides are just so 
they've been going on for so long that people just kind of like will come and go as they please and there's not really a forum you know type thing so. were you gonna say something jordan hmm? oh no were you gonna <laughs> okay well, well okay for a community who'd like to purchase bikes or get them repaired from either one of you in the future tell us where they can find you uh, you can find uh, you can find our, uh, the website for my shop. It's just capsbicycleshop.com. That's C-A-P-S-B-I-C-Y-C-L-E-S-H-O-P.com, um, and that's that's like our website. You can see our service tab. You can see like um, what bikes that we have on offer. Uh, you can actually buy bikes and accessories and parts uh, from that site as well. Um, we, like we have our we have a dedicated e-commerce guy. So like. Check it out, you know. <laughs> Message him, let him know that Jordan was the one that sent you. Nelson? Yeah, you could uh, have the link to my e-page, or e-commerce page, I should say, where I do sell bikes and bicycle equipment. It is www.police-bikes.com. And I do general bike equipment, not just... Uh, law enforcement. I mean, the website is just tilted towards law enforcement. But uh, you could also email me at the at the company website, which is BPO Patrol at yahoo.com. So the letters B as in boy, P as in Papa, O as in Oscar, BPO, and then the word patrol at yahoo.com. Sweet. And I'd be happy to answer any questions you guys may have. Cool. Especially how to start cycling. <laughs> That's always helpful to have, right? Yes. Bef before we close, we always like to ask our guests if you have other wellness practices that you'd like to share. Other than cycling, what do you both do for self-care that others might find inspirational? Hmm. Or is it all cycling? I also do other things like, I mean, I surf... I snowboard and I do go to the gym as much as I can but uh, I play like you know right now I, I play uh, pickleball but uh, I was playing a lot of basketball in my younger day like pick yeah. up basketball but I've just been always a outdoor sports kind of guy so yeah I do uh, I play video games <laughs> So a lot of uh, a lot of online video games, um, but aside from that, uh, what I what I also kind of low key practice is meditation, um, just like controlled breathing techniques and stuff. Um, personally, I found that really helped me a lot because I deal uh, I was it don't deal with stress all that well, but I found that meditation kind of helps like recenter me and like it's uh, gets me uh, what's it called. Um, ready to take on the rest of the day, basically. <laughs> nice. Yes, Nelson. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. I just started in August a Kali Eskrima class. And I am having a great time. What system do you train in, Nelson? Uh, it is a family with the last name Lantayao. And it's, uh, it's their, it's their, uh, family style. 
Okay. And it's 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 just very good. Based in. Uh, this is in we train in Hawaiian Gardens actually, which is between Orange County and LA County. As we begin to close, how can our community find you if they have additional questions? I know, Nelson, you shared your email address. Um, do either of you have any other ways for folks to get a hold of you if they have questions? Yeah, you could, uh, I was going to say you can text me at 951-318-7341. That is also my business line. So if you text me or call me, uh, I will, can definitely help you. Yeah, I... Uh... Work email is uh, service at capbicycleshop.com. Um, you could also, uh, what's it called, hit me up on Instagram. It's just Jord of All Trades or at Jord of All Trades. Um, yeah, almost always on there. <laughs> nice. Thank you, Jordan and Nelson, for talking to our community about cycling and wellness. We're so honored to have featured you both on our podcast for our community to learn more about the world of cycling. I know I personally learned a lot from you too. Um, we're excited to witness how your journeys continue to unfold and are here to support you as your Philippine X and Wellness family. And to our community, look out for our next episode. In July, we will be talking with a powerhouse couple, triathlete Raniel Hidalgo and his wife who completed her first marathon marathon runner Gina Hidalgo. This episode will air during our Wellness Wednesdays on July 12th. As we close, we'd like to acknowledge once again our guest speakers, Jordan Laksamana and Nelson Raboy, our social media strategist, Kathleen Torrio, our graphic designer and beat maker for our opening and closing track, Richie. Kings and Mike Flaunt, reigning from the Seattle, Washington area, the Pacific Northwest. For consent to use your track, Honey and Hash, thank you also, Jordan, for that, that you heard during our break. Our advisors, Allison De La Cruz, Rian De Los Reyes, and Safo Tialogo. Our community partners, this Filipino American Life, SoCal Filipinos, and Trek Table, and all of our community members for your shares and support. As always, we'll share more about our guest speakers' offerings on our Instagram stories and highlights for per permanent access with any of their upcoming events. Be sure to follow us at Philippine X and Wellness on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. And also, you can listen to our episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. On Twitter, we are at Philippine X, the letter N, well, followed by the letters N and S. Don't forget to continue to hit the subscribe button on our Philippine X and Wellness YouTube channel. Thank you always for believing in us. Be well, everyone. Continue to take care of yourselves and each other. Daghang salamat.